Okay, back here with uh, Deanth- Deantha Skabinski. <laughs> I-, I prefer Crockett. With all your time in, in, in the East, you would be able to say that better. Skabinski. Yeah, yeah, you do good. So so you're the executive director of the Miners Association. I think a lot of the folks listening probably familiar with you. You're pretty active in the political world and the resource world. But you were Crockett forever. I, I asked somebody. I asked somebody else about this. Who was it? I was talking to a, a woman who changed her name like after she had you know established herself in a career. Yeah. Which you did. I mean, that must be horrible. It, well, it's it's not that horrible professionally, actually. People just get it. But it's horrible. Like, a name change in itself is absolutely horrible. Um, I'm told I had a worse experience because I got married during COVID. We can talk about that. I had a big, splashy wedding during COVID and didn't talk about it for a long time because it was a big no-no at the time. But um, then going through and doing... These are these, like, wackos who were, like, when I was in Hawaii in December of 2020, they're like, you're you're killing people. Yes. I'm like, fuck you. I took you my... You had a mass congregation. I took my test. Exactly. Okay, I'm following the rules. I'm having my, my time. Exactly. It was, like, crazy how... Even, now, even crazy. now, it's kind of more or less done, but, like, a few months ago, people would still, yeah. you know... And like, I feel like if I ever post a picture of my wedding, they'll be like, you had that many people. And it was outside. It was at our property in Big Lake. But they would be like, "You had that many people in a gathering. You could have killed." Remember people. that, like one in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Like the, it was like the super spreader wedding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just glad it wasn't mine. <laughs> so, when, when was your wedding? July twenty twenty. Oh, so this is like well. So it was. Remember, like, so in summer twenty twenty, Alaska COVID wasn't like that. I don't know what didn't seem like it was that big of a thing. It was obviously like the lockdowns and the, the nationwide. Yeah. But 2021 summer, it was like that Delta. That was when it got, yeah. our 2020 summer was actually quite normal. Yeah, it, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Like we, you know, we, all, what I recall from my life is that, you know, it was like March, it all just kind of came crashing down and everyone was like, we don't know what this is. And remember like the legislature was trying to hurry up and button up its business so it could get out of Juno. And then like April and we all, like everyone went home and nobody knew what to do. And then, you know. I stayed in Juno for like through April. Did you? Because they closed, they stopped. It been like a ghost town though. Oh yeah. It was like, yeah. there was no ship. I mean, I actually, I was there, I think until even May and, and there was no ships yeah. and like the legislature ended like in March. It was yeah. like, I think 68 days. Yeah, like, let's, and everyone thought like, oh, they'll come back. Like, we're just going to go home until we figure things out. And then of course that didn't happen. Um, and they, 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 if anybody ever says they can't do a budget in 90 days, I think they, they can do <laughs> it in 68 days. You can see they can do a bunch of stuff real quick. I know. I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So was your wedding already like planned? Yeah. So you were just like, fuck it, we're doing it. Yes. I mean, and I'll love tell that. you. I love like, that. Well, there was like a couple of things like, so it was happening and we were like, should we not do this? And then we, you know, our property is out in the Matsu Valley. And if, if it was in Anchorage, we would have never gotten away with it. Even though summer of 2020 was a little bit like, you know, the numbers died down and that kind of thing. Anchorage wasn't doing events like so that. So Jesse Sumner on the Matsu Borough Assembly told me that they started each meeting. I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but they would thank Anchorage yes. for, for like doing all yeah. the shutdown because all these people were going to the Valley for like like dinner, for, sure. for restaurants. For sure. for, you couldn't get into Evangelos or Settlers Bay or anything like that for like weeks on end because people were driving to the Valley to go to do things. So how many people were at the wedding? Uh, a little over 200. And you did like, so there was like, was there like no pictures or like, how did you guys manage? I mean, like, I have a lot of pictures. But, but were you telling people, don't, hey, don't, don't, don't post pictures or no, did you not, not care? not really. I mean, a couple of people did here and there, but not, I, I don't know. Just like nothing ever came of it. Like, I think some people posted pictures and we posted a couple of like just our wedding party. And we said like, you know. I, I had a friend go to a wedding in the lower 48. This is probably fall. Yeah, this was like fall 2020. She went to a wedding with her husband and they both got COVID and then oh, that geez. wedding became like it was I think it was like in North Carolina yeah so like I looked it up and she thought it was like it was like one of those super spreaders famous, yeah oh yeah <laughs> I was we like every day like okay another day went by nobody's told us that they got COVID at our wedding and if anyone ever did they just had the courtesy to never tell us like I never heard of anybody getting it at our wedding that doesn't mean it didn't happen but I've never been told that it did. So, okay, so you change the name, and yes. then you have to do Social Security, yes. you have to do all this, like, and but so it's then like you COVID, go through it's COVID. That, they're like, no, offices aren't open. And I'm trying to remember what order that you're supposed to do it all in, but I think it was Social Security, and they wanted me to mail my passport, and I was like, mm, no. 
So the one cool thing I will say is the state of Alaska was really adaptive. And I went to the Palmer DMV and I went out there and the Palmer DMV was like, this is going to be a nightmare for you. So we're issuing you two driver's licenses with both of your names. I was like, really? Like, I remember the DMV being a nightmare for everything my entire life. We're like Crockett and Skabinski. Mm-hmm. Why did you, do you already had a Crockett one though? Yes, but they have to reissue it because they issued you another one. And so they just give me two. And that was all the same information. And they're like, you're going to need this as you go through. Um, you know, she's like, normally it's like six months. She's like, I would expect you to think it was longer. And I, I can't remember the time frame. Um, but it, every single thing was so difficult. So the first it's, thing It's was, almost like when you move- yeah. This is like a much simplified thing, but when you move, you do like an address for, but you have to like update every, every, you know, piece of mail yes. you get with yeah. your new address. Yes. But every, like every piece of your identity that you track in your life, they want, when you change that, they want a backup. And so when you go to do your social security card, they want you to send your passport and then you get done with your social security card and you get it back. And then you send your passport through and they want your driver's license and your social security card. And so all of a sudden you're sending all your identity off in the mail because you can't go to an office in person and do this. So you don't have anything. Um, So I had to send like the Skabinski driver's license, my social security card and my passport off. And so I had to use the Crockett driver's license. This reminds me of of Shawshank Redemption when he, when he, he he creates that, like that, that phantom person to hide the money. And he's like, you can do anything through the mail. Yes. Yeah. Apparently you can. I don't know. (laughs) And it was just one thing after another, like proving, um, my board member, Blake Bogart and Noam told me, he's like, get 10 copies of your marriage license. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I did for some reason. And I used eight of them for what I was doing. And I was like, oh, really glad I listened to him. It was wild. So changing your name, I think that like undershadowed if it would have been hard to like transition my professional identity. It just was so. Under- so so like, I asked, so I asked Sarah Erkman about this because oh, she yeah. was Sarah Erkman even after she was yes, married. Yeah. And then, and then like way after she was married, she went Sarah Erkman Ward. Yeah. Cause like, I, I guess the kids, you know, it's like, it's easier. That's, and that's kind of why I did it is Mark had kids when we got married and it was like, I think it's going to be easier along the way if I have his last name and we're doing stuff like this. And I don't know if it has been or not, but that, that was what was in my head. And so I could imagine that's kind of where Sarah was at. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm not one to, um, buy into any of this kind of patriarchy kind of nonsense, <laughs> but I will say that women, it does really probably suck to have to do that. I mean, some women just don't change the name, which yeah. I think is, you know, fine, huh. but having to like get divorced. And then like, I know a lot of women who are divorced who keep it yeah, because like they have the kid. And now I know why. <laughs> they've like established themselves under that name yeah. for so many years. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we wasn't planning on talking about that, but it's a <laughs> fasc- no, we were just talking about how fascinating topic. Everyone still calls me Crockett. I still call myself Crockett in third person and I, I don't care what people call me. So, okay. So when I first, I moved here in 04 mm-hmm. and then, you know, I did all these things and went to school and then I started working in like IT and then I kind of got into like the resource world yeah. and all these like functions and trade shows and all that. So I first came across like your mom, De- um, Marilyn Crockett was mm-hmm. the head of like, she was like ran the Alaska oil and gas association for mm-hmm. kind of like for, for a long time. Right. Yeah. She was yeah. like, she was like, OG. she was, she started working there. She's a super fascinating woman regardless, but her, um, she came up to Alaska. Her dad was in the air force and she came up to Alaska in eighth grade, I think. And she went to Central Middle School or whatever it was called back then and then went to West High. And when she was out of her junior year, her dad got transferred back to New Hampshire. So she went and finished her senior year in New Hampshire. The free or die. Yes. And she liked New Hampshire. Um, But then he was barely there for a year and he got transferred to Goose Bay, Labrador, Canada. Um, And she was like, I'm not going there. I'm going back to Alaska. So she moved back to Alaska when she was 17 she was not 18 yet, and she applied for She saw a job in the classifieds at Ayoga, and she applied to be their secretary. And she says something. What year was that? That was like. It would have been like 1974. So kind of like right when the pipeline stuff was yes. starting to go off. Yeah. And so she, the guy hired her. Um, she, They had to do like whatever, however it worked through the mail back then, but like my her, my grandparents had to like notarize copies of things allowing her to be hired because she was still underage um, to be able to. So, she, I mean, she just moved back to Alaska. She's like, I don't want to go there. And so that, that's how she started at Ayoga. And she moved up through. And she probably said so many stories about oh, like the 70s. Yeah. Like all the money and all the oil money. And oh, yeah. Also, the people she was probably hanging out with, like the oil people. Yeah. So she became like, she she was like the head of it at the, at the end, yeah, right? For a long time. She absolutely was. So she was a secretary for a while. And then she just started getting more and more knowledgeable about various issues. And she became, you know, a specialist on regulations and environmental and that kind of thing. And so she 
moved into those various roles and worked on various things. And that's really where I still hear stories from people I work with today about like, your mom was so smart and she worked on this and we worked on this together. And so she ended up being like a regulatory affairs specialist. And then for as long as I can remember, when I was like old enough to pay attention to these things, she was a deputy director. And there was a couple of different executive directors that I can remember going through um, that, that you would still know of today. Judy Brady was the most recent one. Um, there were some others. And then at some point in time, when Judy left to take another job, she said something like, she's like, I cannot train another boss. I'll just do it. And so she did that. Love that. I know. She's like, I can't. And so I think she did it for uh, like 10 years, 12 but years. Don't they have like an award for like, yeah, Yoga still has a lifetime achievement award named after her. And she's like, is that good? I'm like, well, I don't know, mom, like they have the Lombardi trophy. Like they're going to have this award named after you forever. So what did she do now? She's just like kicking it, retired or? She is fully retired. And I thought she would consult and stuff. Mm -mm. She's just like retired. Smart. Yeah. So this is how you, because so for the people listening, you're the executive director of the Alaska Miners Association. So and I assume because of your mom, you like grew up in this kind of resource development. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I, so I was born and raised in Alaska. Um, Each year when we got our dividend, my mom would like <laughs> totally do this and plan to do this forever. But at when they came out, there would be like a conversation at the dinner table, like, all right, you all get a hundred bucks and the rest of it's going into your college savings, but you're going to get a hundred bucks today and we're going to go, you know, you're going to spend it on whatever you want. Probably some garbage decision that we, all of us kids made. Um, but she would tell us what the dividend was and why. And so I can remember from like a really early age understanding, you know, only about oil but that oil was such a big deal and why it mattered and why our state, you know, she would have conversations like you go to a nice school and the school buses and libraries and here's all of these things. And your mom and dad don't pay taxes. And I'm sure I didn't care about it until I was older, but um, there was like the conversation about resources was held early and often in my house. Um, and so I went to school at UAA and I was getting. Oh, me too. Oh, you did? When did you graduate? Oh, nine. See, you're younger than me. I was, I was I on knew the. knew it was a bad idea to ask you that question. I was on the seven. Well, I was on the. So I graduated high school in 03. When did you graduate high school? 2000. So I graduated in New Mexico and then I moved here. I was. I forgot you were from New Mexico. That's right. I moved here in 04 after. So I stayed in New Mexico for a year that I moved here with a friend. And then I went to, but then I like quit for a while. I started like underground gambling. I was playing poker and I became like a poker dealer. So I was on the, I was on the seven year, you know. That's fantastic. Uh, dude, me too. What's that? What's that? Chris Farley. A lot of people go to school for, <laughs> yeah, they're called doctors. Same. And I did. This is laughable and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I should just tell the truth. Um. I originally, I didn't know what I was going to do for like the first year and a half. And I took a geology class and I loved it. And then oh my I took, God, I was. took I, like four. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be a geology major. And then myself thinking I know everything was like, no, you'll never get a job up here doing that. Like, why see, would you do that? And I changed my career path to political science. See, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm the kind of similar, but in, in a different way. I was a geology major until I got to, I think it was like historical or it was it was I think it was historic it was one of these yeah I took like I'd taken you know three or four classes and I like I loved it yeah but then I got to this historical and I was like this is fucking hard like That's these hard. rocks and all this and I was like oh, I'm no. supposed to know how old they are I was like <laughs> not my thing so then I ended up doing history and economics which is you know essentially kind of I'm glad I have it but yeah not really but you know that that useful yeah when so you you were you I was there from 04 we probably overlapped I've been sure we did I was I think I stopped taking geology about 04 time frame. Do you remember, was that um, political science? Because I took a lot of political. Susky, was she there? April Susky, yeah. Yeah, she, she was, was, yeah, she she was great. Some classes with yeah, her. Yeah, I really liked her. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize. I've known you for a long time. I, I didn't know. realize we were. Maybe we were in the same. Well, I have a feeling we'd remember if we were in the same class. I think so. Were you yes. a wallflower? Because I was not. <laughs> uh, I was chatty. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah, I don't think we were. I think we would have, yeah, we would have yeah. probably interacted. I would suspect, yeah. But yeah, I do. I, I forgot about her name after all these years. I really liked her. I had oh, yeah, some that was... I loved. I had some that I did not like. I used. To, did you ever have Carl Shepro? No. <laughs> we would argue because, and I. He ended up being a really great teacher. But like the second day, it was a political science class, and he started talking about how um, he had done some stuff in the village of Nuixit, and he had seen, I can't remember, I don't want to paraphrase for this poor man who even who even knows where he is anymore, but the message of the lecture that day was that because of oil industry activity up there, there were like three-eyed fish and caribou with skin diseases and stuff. And I was like, I don't what? think that's true. Like, Do you even know who my mom is? I went home and I was like, hey. And she was like, woo. And she, uh, for those of you listening, I just did this pull up to the ceiling thing. And uh, she 
gave me a whole bunch of background. Like she wasn't like a big lecturer, but she gave me a bunch of like resources about the Department of Defense stuff that happened up there and all kinds of stuff. But she was like, but at the end of the day, was, no what, three-eyed what, what, fish. What was that project they didn't do, but they wanted to like blow a nuke? Yeah. What was that thing called? Uh, it was like pro- Operation, oh my God, I'll think of it. It had like Proud Mary or something. That wasn't it, but it was like a... Like there, there was, a, there was, a, like it was like pun. in the fifties or sixties. They mm-hmm. wanted, they wanted to like nuke a fucking port, like a deep water port. <laughs> do, do you know about that? It's called. No, uh, but yes, let's let, Google it. Let me Google it. It's like nuke. Pro, I got, I got, I got a. It's, it's got some weird name. I know. Please do what? Like it's I, like some strange name. Project Chariot. Oh. Yeah, Project Chariot was a 1958 Atomic Energy Commission proposal to construct an artificial harbor. At Cape Thompson on the north slope of the yes. U.S. State by burying and detonating a string of nuclear devices. I mean, I don't know. That's that sounds efficient. <laughs> That's lit. <laughs> I mean, there's like those. Yeah. Uh, in Nevada, we were, when I was in high school, we went to this Nevada test site. And they like, yeah. our teacher who was an astronomer. He like worked there. He got us a tour somehow. It's like high school students. And there's this thing. I think it was called the Sudan Crater. Oh, my God. And I remember we, you could stand on it. I mean, it was like. I don't even know. It was probably like half a mile. Deep. I mean, they they nuked it. Yeah. And they created this like mass. It was so big that if you like, they, they would drop a tire and it would take like like 25 seconds for the tire to get to the bottom. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, they could do it. They could definitely nuke. Yeah. Project Chariot. Yeah. Yeah. That, Pretty sure that got uh, nixed. I, I don't think it went through, but you know, you never know. You got to put a whole bunch of crazy suggestions up. So, 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 so as long as I've been like, I started in 2010 working kind of in IT and then I, Got involved in that kind of resource, like, yeah. world. you were always kind of with the miners, weren't you? Um, so I was at RDC for Oh, yeah, you were RDC. Years. Yeah, you were RDC before um, that. I got to AMA in 2012. Okay, yeah. So, I, yeah, so I, I probably... I think we may have met at RDC, because you were doing trade shows for... for yeah, I'd come for... Yeah, that's where I started going to that big RDC, co- yeah. which, by the way, it's coming up. I, I know. I, I, lo- I love... I'm, I, I've won 25,000 miles. They have this nice. raffle. Ella, yeah. My friend Ella Eat from Alaska yeah. Research Education, she's... Always sells me a ticket, and I usually I won like a little airplane, uh-huh. um, but I never get the good shit. Oh, really? Have you Have you noticed that these things? It's the rich people, the 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 wealthy people always win the good shit. Maybe uh, because they buy more tickets. Yeah, probably. I've always noticed like like the big name yeah. people get the cruise, yeah, or the two round trip ticket. But but they have a great like every year they give away so much shit. Yeah, they do. Like the chainsaw, they give like plane tickets, the cruise. Yeah, I tell you what, if I ever win. It, it always depresses me because mo- I've never seen anybody get super excited. They just kind of like, oh yeah, they walk up and yeah, if right. I win, the whole place is gonna know. Yeah, do backflips and everything else. I mean, they, they they should they should want me to win. <laughs> it's just like here's this for some promotion. Yeah. So that's coming up. Um, it is ours so, is first, by the way. You, you guys now you guys have the one ours. with all the big trucks and mm-hmm. all the co- so we were a couple of years ago. We mean you hired me yes. and Scott to do a video. Yes. And it was such a cool video, and you videoed the helicopter coming in. That big helicopter with those two, yes. ro- those two uh, uh, rotors. opposite opposite rotors that mm-hmm. rode that was like that huge moving like moving equipment helicopter. Yeah, yeah, the thing was insane. And the whole thing was like we t- spent all this time talking about how cool it is and the mobilization and everything else. And then next year we didn't get to use it because we didn't have a convention because of COVID. And like we still just grumble about that all the time. Like, man, we had the best footage, and it was going to be like this is what you should expect. So we're probably still going to use it. We just haven't figured out how. So you mentioned your mom. We'll tell you about like oil and everything. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, it's kind of interesting because like mining provides a lot of good jobs, high paying jobs, mm-hmm. but they pay like very, like in the big scheme, very like little taxes compared to oil. Oil pays billions, but like the miners don't pay like. They're like, just different. But, but, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is like, it doesn't like everybody kind of focus on oil. And I, yeah. I think that mining sometimes gets lost because yes. there's something like Fort Knox, there's Kinross, there's a Red Dog. There's like all the Kensington Greens Creek. Yeah. But I feel like everything's kind of like, you know, everybody like oil because Everyone's, forever oil right. was like paying like so much, you know. Yeah, I mean, oil is the the gigantic, it, it's the biggest taxpayer. And I know that most people would chime in and be like, no, the permanent fund is. It, I don't consider, that's not a private sector taxpayer. It's still, it's an incredibly important part of our economy. But as far as, you know, what the private sector pays in terms of taxes to our state, oil is, you know, by far, it takes the largest chunk. It dwarfs every other taxpayer for sure. And probably will for a very long time without question. But that guy, what's uh, Steve before before you, the director? Oh, Brow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he told me years and years ago, I remember talking to him, and I think this might still be the case, I'm not sure, but for, for at least back then, Kensington and Greens Creek were like the biggest employers by payroll in like Southeast. Yes, without question. And they're the biggest taxpayers in the city and borough of Juneau. 
Um, Red Dog is the only taxpayer in the Northwest Arctic Borough. Um, Fort Knox is the biggest taxpayer in Fairbanks. So if you think about, if we had a mine in Anchorage that was the biggest taxpayer to the municipality mm-hmm. of Anchorage, that is what those communities experience. Um, so it's a massive, like from what we see as state of Alaska residents, from what the oil industry does, the residents of those organized communities around the state is what the mining industry does for them. Um, so if you look at sort of the regional impact, it's a big deal. Um, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Red, red dog. I mean, it's, it's without red dog. I mean, I don't even know, you know, it's such a big, big impact on not just taxes, but like jobs. I mean, right. I know, I know people that friends of mine, you know, they work there two on two off and yeah. you know, they make really good money. Good, good bit. But my point earlier was it just seems like sometimes the mining kind of gets lost because everything's always like about oil. Yeah. No, that's true. And, you know, we don't mind. We have, we, we benefit a lot from what the oil industry does. And I think they benefit from what we do, both large picture and small. But um, I do think, right, as, as somebody, or I'm not saying that right, as, as a citizen of Alaska that understands what makes the economy go, you're automatically going to, you know, soak up and appreciate what the oil industry does. And that's going to, what you're going to have the most knowledge about. So like how many, I don't know if you know this on top of your head, like how many like mining jobs are there in Alaska? 10,000. Wow. Roughly 10,000. And that's, that's direct and indirect. There's about 5,000 that work directly in a mine that is employed by a mine. They're at the mine site, work for the mine. Um, but with the, the contractors and vendors and subsidiaries and things, there's just under, it's like 9,800, just about 10,000 jobs. And like the, the average salary for mining is quite, I mean, it's quite higher. 116,000. Wow. Yeah. And you can make that. Um, you know, you can go into a vocational training and have six months, eight months, a year of vocational training and make a six figure salary. It's, I mean, there are amazing opportunities and, you know, with all of us right now with the, um, you know, the workforce development, nobody can find anyone to work right now. So the opportunities are more than ever, but you know, there are for the kids. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about this recently, but Anybody that has, you know, a kid in high school that isn't quite sure, like, I don't know if like, college is for me, I don't know what I want to do. Um, veterans that are tra- transitioning out of the military forces, that kind of thing. I mean, there is there is a short-term training and a long-term amazing job with a great salary there in our industry. I tell all my, all my friends with, with kids, I always tell them, do not borrow money to go to school. No. I mean, if you have money saved up or if yeah. you have a scholarship or if you have, like, low in-state, you know, okay, yeah. like, maybe whatever, but, like, I borrowed money. I mean, and they make it very easy yes, to take it. And absolutely. You, I mean, I've paid most of it. I mean, luckily I've paid almost all of it off, but I mean, it just, it follows you. And like when you're taking the money, you don't think about it. You no. don't, you don't think like, you know, I'm going to have to pay this back one day. I mean, yeah. you, you had your dividends saved up. So probably yeah. you had some money for college, which is, yeah. which is good. But I mean, I tell all my friends, any young person I talk no. to, I said, do not fucking no. borrow don't money to go to college. And then, you know, maybe you get a, a degree that you know, you immediately apply it back. But God, I think so many kids don't. They get out of school with some sort of degree. They still don't know what they want to do. And now they have a bill that's like, $4,000 a month or something. I mean, I don't think that's embellishing. People have crazy student debt and they don't have a good secure job lined up to pay it back. I mean, if I could go back and change one thing, and I mean, I don't know if I de- necessarily definitely would, but like I moved to Alaska when I was 19. I had that wooey, you know, the, mm-hmm. the exchange. And so yeah. I got like a little bit break on tuition, yeah. but I went to school at New Mexico, UNM, UNM for University of New Mexico for a year and it was totally free Yeah, because New Mexico has this lottery scholarship they put in place in like the nineties where if, if you go to college, high school in New Mexico and you graduate and you go to college right away and I think it was like, you have to keep like a 2.5. It was nothing. Jeez. That your tuition's <laughs> That's paid. That's amazing. So, I would never let my kids go out of state. <laughs> so I should have just stayed there yeah. and got, cause UNM's a good school. I could have got my four and I still could have moved to Alaska when I was done. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you, we make decisions yeah, and right. I'm still here and, yeah. but I would have, I would have definitely, if yeah. I could have, you know, know what I know now, yeah. I would have just done the four years and I would have had free tuition. Right. Right. You know, up here you can enter into vocational training and you can get a job in, you know, not just my industry, but kind of, you know, I know that telecoms are like this and healthcare and everything and, and then your employer is paying for you to go to school to climb up and do what you want to mm-hmm. do. So yeah. I agree. I'm glad you tell kids that because you should not. So we were at the RDC or the RDC had a debate yesterday yeah. for the for the governor. The all four Charlie Pierce was there, which I, I was like, there he is. I know. <laughs> One month before the election, I've never seen what he looked like. Homeboy so. shows up. But what I was going to ask you about that, the Les Guerra, the Democrat, he I don't know for whatever reason he just kept harping on Pebble. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you as far as like mining. The one thing. When you say mining, yeah. a lot of people think of pebble. That's right. the most controversial. That's like the big, you know, gold, co- right. you know, copper, all that stuff. 
But, I mean, whether, you know, I don't care if you're for or against or whatever, does Pebble kind of, like, get in the way sometimes of when you're talking about mining, people kind of like, oh, because for so long there was, like, the commercials and the fight and all the, the TV. And, I mean, still yeah. kind of talked about, but maybe not as much as in the peak when it was, like, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so I think you can answer that question two different ways and I'm going to completely contradict myself, but bear with me. Um, so at first I think a lot of people would say that, yes, it does. And and, I hear from my members all the time that in my boardrooms at at the corporate level, people that aren't here and they're talking about, should we invest these hundreds of millions or billions of dollars it takes to build a mine and the investors that are sitting around going, are we going to spend this money or not to build this mine? All of them are worried about is what's happening at Pebble going to happen mm-hmm. to us? So it, it is a it is a deterrent to investment. People are Pebble? afraid. Remember those Pebble tapes? I know. A couple of years I ago. How, so what happened was they like duped those people into thinking they were like this this group or whatever, this like environmental, these like yes. nuts. They were they, somehow able to dupe them. They were going to like invest. They presented or? themselves as investors. Yes. Oh my God. I know. I know. There, I mean, there, there's nothing to be proud of on any part of that issue. Um, I can it's, tell it's, you it's, that it's, it's it's interesting how like. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just it. What is so frustrating for me as somebody that's lived in Alaska my whole life is there are very good people at the Pebble Project. You know some of them. You know John Shively, oh, and yeah. Mike Heatwall, and James Fugue. And my friend Ella used to work there. I mean, people LA. that believe in it and know that there are good people trying to do good things and bring jobs and, and opportunities to that, you know, very economically depressed region of Alaska. But what is on the surface and what most people are aware of is the controversy in the Pebble tapes. And that's just so sad. I mean, it's just undermines the work that so many good people well, it's, have done. It's just interesting how like Pebble, you know, and I know for like a while that became like the big issue mm-hmm. with all the, you know, the commercials and everything years ago. But like, you know, Kensington or Fort Knox or like Greens Creek or, yep. or um, um, Red Dog or like any, I mean, those are just not, nope. Yep. There's really no controversy around any of those mines, but this one mine proposal. Because Pebble is soaking it all up. So I can tell you that in my 10 years at, at AMA, when I was there early on, Anglo-American was still a major mm-hmm. investor and and um, here in Alaska furthering the Pebble project. And I think it's really too bad that they just like, I know it's a bad signal when somebody invests how much a billion dollars or something. They it was or, about, it was over 600 million. Right. Yeah. Tons of money. And then they yes. just like said, peace. Well, like we out. And you know, are you happy that your unstable regulatory climate forced a company like that to decide they didn't want to be in Alaska anymore? Cause I'm not. No, I mean that that's, that's terrifying to me. My, my, my read on Pebble is I believe Pebble will happen. When just like just like you know when the price of oil when there was a oil embargo and the crisis in the seventies they were like fuck we got to do something yeah. so you know they did the oil right. when when gold hits five thousand ten thousand when when something happens and and the price of gold just peaks to some crazy yeah. number like when we have no copper and China tells us we can't have any more they're gonna yes, do they're, like, I guess we're gonna have to develop bubble when the because there's like not just gold it's copper it's like yes. molybdenum it's all and, these like rare earth. So when, when the price or the demand for that shit goes like crazy, yeah. that's when Pebble will happen. Yeah. I get, and shame on us for being okay with that. Oh yeah, and like I mean, the legislature, the the, the the Congress, the whole everything will just stop. Yeah, and they will say, okay, let's. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's my prediction. Is, is something will happen, and there'll be such a demand and need for some of the the, the the minerals there. Yeah, that it will just kind of like overnight. Yeah, materialize. That's my prediction. On no, Pebble. I think you're right, and it's it's just it's so frustrating. So. You know, I said I was going to contradict myself. So, yes, it gets in the way. But watching Anglo exit Alaska and just watching the um, very sophisticated anti-development campaigns and organizations that were formed primarily to fight Pebble and the people that worked for them, all of a sudden, I just watched them go from southwest Alaska down to southeast and all of a sudden engage in this transboundary mining fight. And it was this, you know, all of a sudden there were these really glossy organizations set up in Juneau and elsewhere that... We're all about how these mines in Canada that have rivers and bo- uh, bodies of water that flow into Alaska waters. Now, they're all, they're not regulated highly enough, and they're all going to destroy the fish down in southeast Alaska. It's the same messaging. The websites look the same. Everything looks the same. Oh, no, it, I mean, with landmine, I get, you know, I just often get subscribed to, like, press lists. or yeah. And there's so many, and you know, people's right to whatever, you know, yeah. do what they're going to do, but... There's so many of these pet, like Bristol friends yes. of, you know, whatever they yes. are. And I, and I get these emails yep. and it's like kind of mm-hmm. not the same, but there's similar emails whenever there's a decision made. Yeah. I'll get like, you probably get them too, you know, and these, and then you start looking up who's, who's this group and you go to like 
you know, the yeah. APOC or whatever. And then you see they're like doing something yes. and you see the money, like I mean, it, it, this, this thing, I think I, whether you're for it or against it, I think everybody, the people that are against it, they want it to keep relevant because it, yes. it creates so much money. It does. It just so, so much energy around it right. and, and probably jobs and just all the things that happen. Yep. And I, 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 you know, I think I'm not like an expert here, but I mean, there's a fishery and if I was a, Fisherman there, I'd probably sure. be concerned. No, that's but. fair. And everybody has every right to be concerned about any development near whatever they want at any given time. But where I draw the line or I, I take offense is when you know, there's just full-on lies. Someone concerned that asks questions and wants to know more, amen. Uh, that's what I appreciate mm. as an Alaskan. But organizations that come in and tell big, bad, bullshit lies to people that this is going to ruin the fishery, it's going to poison your waters, and your kids are going to die um, – I, I have no patience for that. And I can assure you that if at some point in time Pebble decides I'm not just, you know, the, the companies that are involved with Pebble, like I cannot invest another dollar in this. I don't believe it's ever going to go away. They give the claims back. It folds up shop. We will have the same discussion. You'll invite me back to a podcast. And we'll have the same discussion about another proposed development because all the same people, to your point just now, that's not a fundraiser anymore. We got to move on to something else. So Pebble should be a welcome distraction to a lot of developers right now because they aren't getting the heat but if pebble isn't there to do it it's going somewhere else it's it's interesting how how toxic pebble like when, when you're asking like a candidate somebody do you people will just do whatever i mean unless, unless you're really for it or really against it most people aren't most people don't want to say anything yeah because they don't want to piss off the mining yeah. people but then they don't like, they don't oh, want to piss off the so fish political. people don't even ask me so it's, it's just interesting yeah. watching people dance around you know sometimes people are I'm against, like, Les Garrett. He's, yeah. he's, he hates Pebble. And then some people are all for it. Yeah. But the majority, I think, of, like, public officials, are like, they, they will not yeah. give an answer. Yeah. They don't know or they think they know, but they, yeah, I agree. And I can tell you, growing up here, I, I just turned 40. I've lived here 40 years. And this conversation that we're having about Pebble right now was Anwar for 20 years. Well, that, Anwar so, was this. It was blistering. There was money being dumped in. There was organizations that were, um, you know, formed to support Anwar. There were organizations formed to oppose. And I know there's a little bit of Anwar well, and, and, and Gasline too. I mean, that's been, yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is, it's it's like talking about development of whatever it is, a mine or oil and gas. You know, the pipeline only got approved by one vote by the tie-breaking vote, yeah. right? By Spiro Agnew. Yeah. So that was in the seventies. Yes. And and the, the the like I think the the big drawback or the downfall or the worst part about Alaska is is nothing really gets we don't build roads anymore we don't really do anything big anymore no we can't build the bridge like we should have built that bridge to connect arm ten years ago God, I know. we should have built the bridge to uh, the road to Juno to, to up to by Haines yeah. like nothing because it doesn't get done because small groups of like two or three or four people with money yeah. can stop anything can convince local concerned residents that something detrimental is going to happen. Or they can just use the courts. Yeah, there's that. Or, or they can use regu regulato regulatory <laughs> um, body. Like the, another example is that, Inlet, I don't know if you've been following the Inlet View Elementary. I just heard about this for the first time last night and I'm stunned. Oh, so this has been going on for a while, yeah. but it's like this five NIMBY people who live, who live they're going to move the school on the same property, but over. Because mm -hmm. it's an old, really, it's like the oldest school. You know, it's a, it's a great school and it's a, it's a mm -hmm. good, good, good community school there. But it's the building so old, they have to move it, you know, a couple hundred feet over. Yeah. And they're going to keep the kids in the old school, build the new school, and then when the new school's built, destroy the old school. Well, these five neighbors, people who live, they're going to get their view, their view is going to mm -hmm. be messed up, right? So they go to this, like, it, what the hell? It's like the urban planning, what the like, fuck's like it called? No, no, but it's like some obscure Title 21. It's like, it's like the urban beautification. It's like some weird commission that exists, yeah. right? Nobody even knows what it is. Yeah. They went to this thing. The money was there. Um, appropriated, but then there were, they 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 got involved and they killed the bond, the funded part yeah. of it. But it's like these five people. It's like a symbol for yeah. everything in the state. They can yeah. stop a a project that would benefit. I mean, basically everybody. Yep. All these kids. Yeah. I mean, Zach Fields, who I, who I just love Zach Fields because he yes, just says what he thinks. He yeah. he says people like he told the paper. He he gave a quote to the paper. This is a few months ago. He's like, people who want to stop a school like deserve their place in hell or something. And then yeah. they were like. Somebody said, do you want to apologize? And he's like, mm, I probably should, but I'm not going to. Why should he? I'm glad he didn't. But this is like symbolic of, of whether it's like, you know, the gas line or this Kabata bridge or yeah. this, or this, um, Watana yeah. or, or the, even the gas line to fair, anything. Yeah. Like nothing. This is why we can't build, we can't do good things anymore. <laughs> the last big thing we did was fucking Red Dog. Yeah. And that was in the eighties. Right. Right.
This is just, you know, this is why. So, I, I mean, we have, you know, satellite oil fields on the North Slope, but those are close enough to existing infrastructure. It's not like this brand new thing in the middle of nowhere like a mine, right? Um, I mean, P- Pika is, is on state land. Yeah. And it's been 10 years. Right. That yeah. sucker should have been pop- popping off five years ago. Right. You know, and, and that's like people want to go after Biden and it's fair. Like, it's not great, but like that's state land. Yeah. That's not Anwar. That's not NPRA. That's on state land. Oh, but land. they had to get dozens of federal permits. That's not, we can't hang that primarily on the state. Well, they had to get wetlands well, permits. Well, no, but 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 the, the, the holdup was about Conoco. Remember that whole thing with the, the using the, the crossing the land? The crossing. The so it's like we can't, we like, we all just small, big, whatever. People fight and people yeah. have their own interests. And, and, you know, in the meantime, I think the state could be like doing so many bigger, better things. Yes. yes. And, you know, we fight over the dividend. You know, that's something that we, every year. <laughs> every time. <laughs> so what else was I going to ask? Oh, so you were going to bring, I want to ask you about this. You were going to bring some alcohol and I was going to drink with you, <laughs> which I normally love to do. But I, t- I tell you, I, three weeks ago, almost three weeks ago, I was in Vegas and then I got back and I didn't drink a lot. But, you know, you go out, your Vegas, you go right. to Vegas, right? It's fun. Yeah. And then I just didn't have a drink for like three or four days. And then a week, a week goes by and then October kind of comes, um, yeah. rolls around and I'm like, oh, sober October. Right. So I haven't had a drink in like almost three weeks. Right. Now you feel pretty good. <laughs> I feel like amazing. Like I'm not a big drinker, but what the thing is, I'll, I'll have a beer or two on, you yeah. know, dinner or wine, but then like on the weekend or if you're like in an event or if you're at like a big part. Like a wedding or something. Just, yeah. Just, or just, you know. Yeah. Or a Saturday. You know, you can start kind of, and then you, and then the hangover. Yeah. Which I'm just, I'm almost, I'm going to be 38 in December. Yeah. And I'm just trying to do a little reset here. Yeah. And, and I think that's good. I think having two or three, you can have two or three drinks and be fine. Yes. But it's like when you, when you go five and six and, you know, yes. the, the course of like eight hours. Anyway, so. And you have enough to feel terrible the next day. It's not good. Yeah. So we're, we're not, if you were yeah. not, not, if you were quit, you drink a little? Um, yeah, I do. Um, but I have quit, um, for various reasons. Cause you know, you get. Kind of like what you're saying, like, or like, you know, you get sick and so you drink, don't drink for five or six days. And you're like, oh, let's just do this for a little bit longer and dry out for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I've done a little bit of, or to do, you know, you go on a diet for some reason and you cut out alcohol and that kind of thing. Um, so, I, I think it's a good thing to do every now and then. I I wasn't going to do, I'm definitely quitting for October. I'm doing this over October. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I'm, I haven't like decided yet because I'm, I'm not going to commit till I, yeah. till I commit. But I might, and again, this is not been decided i might not drink until session starts oh man even through christmas which i know i know yep. i'm just kind of i haven't pledged to that yet but if, if yeah. i, I kind of want to see if you know because actually after a few weeks you really don't even kind of think about it anymore yeah it's it's not like i'm sure it's like any other addiction <laughs> you're like i'm sure smokers are like that and people that are like i need to cut out candy i mean i'm sure it's i, I just don't think the reason i say till session because I just don't know if it'd be actually possible for me to exist in Juno for three or four months and not have a drink. It would be hard. Because... <laughs> dealing with the stress alone. You go down there. Yes. You're only, you're only down there for... Did you ever work down there or no? No. See, a lot of... Yeah, a lot of... You, yeah. you should... Oh, my God. You should go spend one session. <laughs> one session. You guys should open a little miner's office there. I know. We have... We have talked about it. it I, just, you know, you're down there enough that just to have a presence, but... So far, I haven't had to. I just fly down there a lot, just keeping Alaska Airlines in business. It's crazy how, <laughs> I mean, where it's like normal for us, you know, this capital thing, but yeah. it's like how we get there, and it's like it's it's almost like a summer camp. Yes, you know, it is. for four months. Yes, and and like everybody's there temporarily, and it's so bizarre. So you're there quite a bit. Like all the resource groups have events there all the time, yeah. and so I see you down there a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I like to know. I really like to know. Not during session. I was just down there on Saturday for a Juno Chamber event. They have been trying to do this tribute to mining for a few years, and they finally reheld it. It was awesome. But I was like, man, this place is pretty nice not during the session. I was there like a month ago on a cruise. Oh, that's right. I did that cheap, that they did that deal, the Holland America yeah. for Alaska residents that yes. Scott McMurrin guy posted about. It, it was yeah. like way cheap to take a seven-day cruise from Whittier to Vancouver. So I spent the day in Juno, and it's just so much different. You're like, man, the, there's all these restaurants open? Just way different in the <laughs> yeah. summer. I see. I used to years ago. I was like a move the capital guy. Yeah. But but after spending time in Juno and just seeing like, I mean, you can't move the. I mean, it's like. No, I know. It's propos- They actually voted to do it in the seventies. Yeah. They like they the, there was a ballot initiative. Oh, I mean, there's been and they put together been some more recently than that. I can remember. I don't. I'm sure they didn't pass, but I remember. I think when I was in college, there was one. It was to move it to Willow, which. Well, so okay. so in the seventies they passed this thing, 
and I read a kind of a, a book I read, there's a whole chapter about it. Willie Hensley was the chair of like this, like it was like the Capitol Relocation Committee or yeah. something. And they had this whole commission of like Sergei was on. It was like 10 or 15 people. And they ended up like, they went all over the state. And, you know, they were like Fairbanks and they were looking at all these, they ended up settling on Will. They bought the mm-hmm. land. Yeah. They owned the land. But, but, but this, um, I forget his name. He was this like one senator guy from Juneau. Oh, what was his name? Um, I think there was a building named after him, but he was like this like well-known senator. Yeah. And, and he just like did everything he could. Oh, was it Terry Miller? No, it wasn't Terry Miller. It was um, the guy in the book, he like interviews him and oh. he's telling stories about it. He's like, why would we want to go to that drug infested Anchorage where they just throw acid on each other and kill, murder everybody. And he's like, and so he basically Whoa. admitted to like um, financing the state, like getting, like getting money for the state office building in the courthouse. And he's like, he's like, so is your goal to like spend as much money as possible to make Juno the capital to make it hard to move? And he's like, absolutely. Wow. I didn't I was like, know that. Oh yeah. I forget his name. It's like some, if I said it, you know it, but yeah. it's like some famous like old school. Oh, funny. Alaska Senator. But what was I going to, where's it going with that? I guess, yeah, session's starting pretty soon, huh? Yeah, I know. I thought about that. I was, think when I was down there, I was just like, man, people people are like, okay, do you have your, like, housing set up? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to start. I try to, like, not, I don't want to think about January until, like, So can January. you believe the, the election's, like, less than a month away? I know. Right? It's crazy. And then I think it's going to be another t- type deal where it's, the Senate might be, I think it's going to be probably coalition, most likely. Mm-hmm. It could, you know, go either way, but I think based on yeah. some of the races, but... I think it's going to, the House is going to be one of those deals. Remember like 10 years ago or even eight years ago, there'd be an election and then like within a couple of days they'd organize yes. and it was yeah. just very smooth and yes. like it was kind of normal. I think those days are behind us. I, I don't think, do you think that we will? Mm, I think the Senate will have a coalition Yeah, because there's like an extra Democrat and like Bert Stedman has, has told me he's not going to be in a group that doesn't have a budget vote because it's yeah. it got so chaotic and crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, so, I mean, for there to be a Republican majority in the Senate, I think me would have to win, Holland would have to win, uh, McCarty would have to win, and Matherly would have to win. All four of them would have to win, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't either. I, I think they could all four, you know, lose, or maybe three or four, three of three of them could lose. So yeah. if all four of them don't win, because Giesel, you know, and Merrick, they're, 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 Republicans, but they're going to probably be with like the Burt crowd. Right. But I think what's going to be crazy. So the last four years, the Senate's been the crazy one. They've had the quote unquote majority, but the majority is the real majority is actually half the, the you know, Republican majority and then the Democrats. Yeah. That's how they were able to pass yeah, the budget absolutely. and pass the dividend, all these things. And then the house, while it was also kind of nuts, the, the majority basically held things together. Yes. Barely. Yes. But they did hold, barely. they did hold them together. Yeah. So next year, I think it's going to reverse where the Senate is going to be normal type coalition. Yeah. But then the House, whether it's Republicans, and there's a better chance of the Republicans to take over the House. Yes. But w- whether it's Republicans or the coalition, the numbers are going to be so close yeah. that it's going to be just like, like either way, it's going to be nuts. And if the Republicans take over, it's going to include very likely David Eastman and Jamie Allard. <sighs> Which just imagine that. So I'm telling you, you got to be down there next next oh god next time. It's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be I'm telling you, it's gonna be um yeah. And it's gonna be so many new people. I mean, there's like twenty. There's gonna be like almost yes. twenty new house members, yeah. and some of them like Craig Johnson and Dan Sadler kind of coming back. Yeah, that's but, true. But a lot of a whole bunch of like brand new to yeah. know. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and we're not gonna know for three weeks, maybe this, longer. This is the other thing with this rank. I don't know how you I, before I, I voted against it. I did too. And, right. and, you know, that that's another like, colossal example of how poorly, um, you know, how poor our setup is for ballot measures to make law is that it's so easy. First of all, there's no natural opponent to a ballot measure like that. Like, who is going to come out and like fight our, our voting system? Yeah, there, there was a group that came out at the end, but they didn't really do much. And actually, it was funny. Brett Huber was in charge of that. And then he didn't like. It was like September, late September. They started doing some kind of ads, and it wasn't really. Yeah, but even... it's, who do you get to, you know? And whenever there's a ballot measure, there's like a, a core group that is impacted by it. Well, they, they raised something. I mean, not a lot, but they raised some money. And and then you know, six months later, when the reports came out in February, he paid himself forty five thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't follow it to that detail, but I the the thing that you know for people that don't get involved, you know, that aren't policy dorks like you and I. 
I, you know, there were messages going to the public that basically said, dark money. You don't want dark money influencing our elections, right? Yes, they did. That, that was like the, the That was main. the talking point. And so people were like, well, of course I don't want dark money influencing my elections. There was, ne- I did not see like any sort of detailed voter education of here's what ranked choice voting will actually do. And here's what kinds of, you know, here's what you are going to be asked to do at the ballot box should this pass. It was just dark money, dark money, dark mm-hmm. money, dark money. So between that and not having, you know, very sophisticated or even natural like user group that would be impacted by it. Uh, that's if that and, and, and law I, had been deliberated in the legislature, it would have never passed. I mean, there, there will definitely be attempts to repeal it, but I don't think it's going to get, I don't think it's going to pass like both bodies to get repealed. So what yeah. I think is going to happen is there's probably going to be a ballot initiative in 2024. Um, somebody's going to, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the, both parties, yeah, to repeal it, but that'll, that'll mean it'll be in place for one more, one more it's cycle. pretty hard to get ballot measures to get people to vote yes on them. I to think there's going to, there's going to, my, my view on ballot measures, is I'm, I'm all about ballot measures, but they should make it 60% to, to, to pass. Oh. I think California, so, so, some states have that where they have the ballot measure process, yeah. but the threshold 60% because 51, you know, it's like, so it's 60%, right? Everybody can agree. There's a problem. If something gets 60% of the vote, yeah, maybe. Then, like, you know, so so make it, have all your ballot measures, but make it 60%. I have never been educated on ballot measures that were proposed and carried through and executed for really good productive reasons. I've only seen really shitty ones. And I think they're a terrible way to make law because there is no transparent deliberation. We there, was the, there was the, print, the abortion parental notification one a while back. Well, the courts over, regardless, like we don't give Jeff Landfield a detailed description of the what ifs and the what if nots. And the here, here, Jeff, here's your ability to answer or to ask questions of, you know, the agency that would be in charge of this before you cast your it's, vote. It's, it's like three or six or eight months or whatever of all this stuff boiled down to like a yes or a no. On like a, like, like and you are hundred. supposed to make a decision on substantially important issues on a yes or no on a ballot. I just think it's a terrible way to make law. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a big not a big fan of these things. I mean, if, if we're going to have them, I think we should raise the, 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 the passing threshold. Yeah, there needs to be a lot of reforms to initiatives. But, but the interesting thing about, about the, the ranked choice voting is the people who are like really like Jason Grant and Scott Kendall and these guys, they, they had like kind of touted all these like, like more, more um, interest and more candidates and it makes it easier for like independent people to, to you know, run. Lots of the little thermometer. <laughs> but but now, now we see like, I mean, something like half the, I got to look at the numbers, but a whole bunch of the legislative race only have two people. Yeah. So, so ranked choice. And then the ones, many of the ones with three, I think people are going to get 50%, like click bishops in a race yeah. and Gary Stevens are probably going to win. They have three people yeah. in their race in the first round. But, but the, the I think the one of the worst part, you got to go. No, I'm just wondering you're, why I have so many messages. You're blowing Is this live it. now? You're, no, you're, you're blowing up though. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Do these people hear what I'm saying right now. They're like, stop talking. But we're not live. We're okay. Re- as long as we're not live, I don't care about any of recording. it. <laughs> um, the thing that's like really, we saw this with the, the special election, this two weeks of waiting. Yes. So, so we're, we're going to have a really good idea of like who won most legislative races. Right. There's going to be a few like the Jesse Sumner race with mm-hmm. four. That's going to be a ranked yep. choice one. Yeah. Um, probably the Roger Hollins, Kathy Geisel, that's going to be a rank, you I know, so right. there's going to be like a handful, maybe five or five or six legislative races where it's going to, you have to wait to the ranking, Yeah. but the governor, the Senate and the house and the governor is especially, um, that's going to be interesting. Difficult, uh, you know, and I, I I'm not going to say this word. I hate, I fucking hate the word problematic, but, oh. but it's like the worst word in the English that and stakeholders. I don't like stakeholders. Problematic and stakeholders are like the worst words in the English yeah. language. Cause they don't really mean anything. No, no, they don't. They, they, really can, they can mean anything. Yes. But, 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 but it is, it is a problem I'll say yes. for the governor's deal because the governor, and if it's Dunleavy, it's not as big of a problem because he's the governor and yeah. he's got a, you know, infrastructure in place. But if it's somebody else, they take over on the first Monday in December, yes. you're not going to know about this thing I until mean, the even, end of November. Are going to have a week? Like, I so mean, it, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but. So if, let me pull it up, let's, let's see here. If it, if it comes out on the 8th, okay, so two weeks would be the 22nd. Which gives them less, in, but I, th- they could be like, what if it's closed? What if there's yeah. like, the, everything's disputed now, everything, you know, elect- right, elections are. challenges and things like that. So I mean, th- th- that's less than, and you got to establish, if it's somebody else, if it's a new person, and yeah. I think Dunleavy's probably going to win. I mean, I, I, he's I really so. no, no, no Republican opposition. And yeah. the way this ranking goes, I don't think all the Gara people are going to rank the Walker people second and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But if it was somebody else, if it was Gara or Walker, they would have, you know, 
less than two weeks to put together. I mean, maybe they're doing it beforehand. They're kind of getting, you have to put together a cabinet, right? You got to yeah. appoint people. You got to have, because the budget's due on the December 15th. Yeah. yeah. So are these candidates like working on that now? I mean, Walker was governor, so he probably has a little bit of a, you know, yeah. kind of knows how to do it. But. And obviously Garrow's been in the legislature. He has an idea about, maybe not from the administrative side, but he understands the budget. Um, but still. If Dunleavy wins, he'll be the first two-term governor since Tony Knowles. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, Parnell, he he won one term, but he, he inherited, he like took over after Palin left, so... He didn't, That's he didn't, true. So he, he felt like he was there longer. That's a good point. He was there like six years. Yeah. But 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 the fir- the last governor to be elected, you know, back to back was Tony Knowles. Oh my god. And I before forgot. that, it was it was freaking Jay Hammond. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. I've never stopped to think about that. I, I'm I'm working <laughs> I'm working on an article right now. It's 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 called Mike Dunleavy, the Black Swan Governor. And and the reason he's the Black Swan because you know the Black Swan is an event that never is supposed to happen. Okay, so he he gets the recall, which I think he probably would have beat. But but still, it was like a big distraction. He like yeah. obviously it stopped him in his tracks from doing anything he wanted to do. It like you know he like freaked out about it. Yeah. And then COVID comes around. Mm-hmm. Once once in a hundred year event stops the recall in its tracks. Yeah. They had all the momentum. They got the first round of signatures. They were going to get the second round. It was going to be on the ballot, right? So COVID saves him. Okay. Yeah. And then Anne Zinc. That's a byproduct of that. Okay. Then dividend he can't get the dividend you know there's like yeah. all this fighting and then fucking putin invades europe which hasn't <laughs> happened since world war ii I'm sorry i shouldn't laugh at that right so that's the second black swan <laughs> mm-hmm. okay he gets that that price of oil goes yeah. up we get this dividend it's like everybody agrees on 50 50 and then all of a sudden it's like you know not not 2600 5500 you know they, yeah. they try to juice it up to five thousand yeah. dollars could you imagine that like family no. of four no. 22 g's i mean it's amazing what it was and, and i remember somebody saying on dividend day which it came in september so somebody was like can you imagine waking up as a family of four this morning i'm like what are you talking about like you got your dividend today and i'm like we did like that's weird <laughs> just don't pay attention to it right like you- i'm surprised they moved it up a month i i would have if i was governor i probably would have kept it in october because like closer to the election you know yeah. the, the better it People, people, you know, because people forget things. Yeah. You know, short memory. So, so he gets first of first black swan is uh, COVID. Second black swan is Putin invades Ukraine. Yeah. Price of oil goes up. We get this big dividend. Yeah. Third black swan is Charlie. You know, he, he's got Dunleavy has a problem with um, the the Anzing kind of COVID people, Republicans, yeah. and then the dividend. You know, a lot of people for whatever reason, but he doesn't really have any because Pierce is like not even a real candidate. He's raised hardly any money. He's got the, he resigns as mayor to yeah. quote unquote focus on his kid, which is bullshit, right? So he he has no actual really opposition from the right. Yeah. In this, he never has. Yeah. There's no primary because of the ranked choice voting. The Pierce guy has like, you know, Kirka was out there doing some stuff, yeah. but like, you know, Dunleavy hasn't really had to deal with like the, the the conservative problem or the 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 base problem, and then and another black swan is there's fucking no campaign limits. Yeah. Oh, so God. so. So because of that, you know, instead of five hundred dollars, dude's raising like his brother gave him like a couple like three hundred thousand. It's like I think mean, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Bob Penny gave him. So and, you know, Walker's getting money too. Like Walker's yeah. getting big donations from 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 like Texas billionaires and yeah. these tech. You know, he's getting large donations too. But I'm telling you, Dunleavy is like, it's it's just incredible. <laughs> the Black Swan Governor. He's the Black Swan Governor. That's funny. Yeah. Really. You're like, I don't, <laughs> you're like, I don't want to. No, I mean, so I'm laughing at that. I mean, th- think about it. In, in 2019, how much money would you have bet? I would have bet probably everything I had that, that Dunleavy would not be reelected. When it was hmm. so crazy with like the, the, the recall and the, and the legislature and just all the, the yeah. people and the Donna Arduin and just like just in the university and like the ferries and just everything was like. He was like kind of pissed. Like everybody was mad at him, right? Yeah. The, the Southeast, the Fairbanks, everybody was mad for some, you know, shutting down all these different, proposing to shut down all this stuff. Right. I just, it's just like incredible that he was able to over, I mean, it's kind of obviously some things happened to help, but right. to, to get past that, it's like amazing. I, I agree. But I think that there's also, you know, a fair amount of people in our state that, um, you know, we sit around and we argue about, needing to cut government but when somebody starts cutting government you cut something that hurts somebody and that's how you just immediately piss people off right away but still i think more than 50 percent of the population in alaska still thinks the size of government needs to get cut but when somebody comes in and proposes cuts that makes you the asshole and 
I, I'm not saying that the um, deployment of said decisions was elegant or anything like that, but no, I mean, I agree that never going to have a, you know, the population is never going to favor the person that truly proposes and carries through cutting government. Well, and, and I mean, you're right, whether, whether you're conservative or progressive or Democrat, Republican, you know, as soon as something gets proposed, especially the people that are proposing cutting, like, you know, they don't want that thing cut. So you don't like old people? Or or their road or their, yeah, their, their their school or (laughs) their, you know, program or whatever it is. And, you know, I mean, like it's like 60, more than 60% of the budget's healthcare and education. So you can't even begin to get serious unless you want to like, like restructure Medicaid or, or close down schools. Right. Right. And so it's, it's a totally thankless task for anybody. Um, so, but just looking back at 2019, like I, I don't know what I, I, you know, not in the headspace because you're not close enough to re-election time. I did not think the recall was going to be successful at any given time. I think he would have beat, I think he, I never thought he would get recalled. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I mean, it definitely impacted. His, but it did his, go his, away very quickly. It, you're it, right like, about that. It like impacted his like, his like, he was each, I mean, he, he was affected by it like psychologically. I mean, it, it oh. stopped him from, you know, the next year, like the budget was like his first budget was like, that was the, the, got everybody amped up and yeah. it was like crazy. But then the next budget was kind of like, yeah, you know, it was like really just kind of a status quo type yeah. budget because he, he knew that, you know, he didn't want to deal with that right. recall. But I think he would have beat it, but it just would have been something that would have lingered on for another, yeah. you know, six months. They probably would have had a recall election and, you know, if COVID wouldn't have happened in like mid-2020. Yeah, it could have been another proposal for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. He's been... One of the best governors our industry has ever had. Yeah, the miners. <laughs> that, like, he, I see it in his APOC report. The, he's, well, the, the, miner, I mean, the miners like him. He came to Alaska and went to Northwest Alaska and saw firsthand, you know, he witnessed Red Dog go into production and he witnessed it completely transform the Northwest Arctic region. And he, and ta- he has that, like, in his heart. He has an appreciation for it because he saw it happen. He saw it benefit the communities that he lived in. He saw it benefit his wife's family and her heritage. Three kids ended up working at Red Dog. And yeah, he always he always talks about his yeah. daughter, daughters all work there. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, like it hits him in the feels, and so he is all the, he is always at the forefront of his mind. He's like, "How do we get more Red Dogs in Alaska?" And that is music to my ears. Like, we want what happened there. You have a mine that has completely changed the entire region of Alaska, has bettered people's lives, has not had environmental. You know, it has had the opposite of environmental destruction. It has enhanced the environment. And for somebody to want more of that, I don't care where you're at politically. You should appreciate mm-hmm. a governor that wants more of that. So besides like Pebble, what I mean, are there any other big my like pr- proposals or? Yeah. What, like I'm trying to think of. Donlin? Oh, yeah. Well, that, well, but that's <laughs> happening, right? I mean, that's kind of I going. mean, Donlin is, it has its federal permits in place. It has a final record of decision. Um, so we're, you know, it has in the process of getting the end of its state permits and has a lot of its state permits. And they're really at a decision of, do we feel comfortable spending billions with a B because at Donlin you're building a mine and you're building a 300 mile gas pipeline from cook Inlet. That is what we are asking our, you know, not our, we are asking international companies that to come in and feel comfortable spending several billion dollars on a project in the regulatory and political climate we have. See, I just figured, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought Donlin was kind of like, was, was happening or was kind of green. Well, they have their permits. So they... It's, it's, it's the investment decision. It's the investment decision. That's a big one, huh? It's huge. A lot of, a lot of gold. Oh, it's a massive deposit. I mean... How, co- how also, come Donlin... I mean, everything I've ever heard about Donlin has been positive. Like, I've never, you know, absent once email sometimes from somebody like... There's like pretty much, I'd say no or very little controversy around yeah. Donlin. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, great. Donlin mine, new mine jobs, yeah. gold. I mean, that seems, that's like totally opposite of Pebble. Yeah. I mean, that's like the. I know. It's such a stark contrast. I mean, it is a different proposal in a different area. And so you can't just perfectly compare them. But there's also some big differences in how um, the the deposits were identified early on and how the companies went about it. Um, you know, I think. Before me, so I've just been told these stories, so I'm kind of giving you a third-hand report, but there was a company that came in to propose Pebble and um, did not enter into the region in a manner that was accommodating. And, you know, they didn't sit down and ask local stakeholders. I just used that word. Oh, stakeholders. But they did not ask the communities and the people that live in them. Like, they did not. 
They didn't, they didn't manage the relationship. They didn't have a two-way relationship with they them. Didn't, yeah, well, you have to. Everything's and you about re- must. Everything's about relationships. Yes, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's. You have to have conversations and include them and inform them. And so mistakes were made early on um, that, you know, irritated and wronged the, re- wronged the right people, if you will. Um, and Donlin did exactly the opposite. They went in and, um, you know, I think the people that, that did not handle their entry well at at Pebble were not there for long and that was corrected, but still first impressions are a big deal, right? Um, I mean, just think about it. There's so many examples of whether it's a small company or a large yeah. major bit or a government. Like if you don't, if you don't have a good relationship or no. if you, if you set off on a, you know, the wrong foot right? or, or, you know, you piss somebody, the wrong person off, you can, it's amazing what like won't happen. Right. Or on the flip side, what can happen if you have good relationships. Right. And I think, you know, Donlin is being proposed on Native Corporation land. It's on Chalista and, and Kuskokwim Corporation land. And so you have a different landowner that has a different understanding of the the immediate economic benefits that come from it. And I think um, as a state, you know, I think there's a lack of understanding of what a mine on state land can, can do. Um, you know, we only have one large mine on state land right now. So our our royalties and our taxes could be so much higher on... What's the one on state land? Is it? Pogo. Oh, yeah. That's... Yep. That's fair. Uh, it's in Delta kinda, Junction. Okay. Yeah, near Delta Junction. Gold, so, right? Yes. Um, so having another mine on state land, if, if you know, and of course we don't know what the value is going to be, but having that come online would be a gigantic, crazy, like I can't even r- find the right, you know, description to say like what a big economic boom that would be. But it's not. Um, you don't have, I don't think Alaskans really have the vested interest or the understanding of like how big of a deal that can be. And meanwhile, you have this concurrent, you know, opposition building itself, very sophisticated, very well done. Um, and, you know, that's, that falls into place relatively so, quickly in our state. So if, if, if uh, the Donlin folks say tomorrow, let's, boom, let's do it. Like, what are we, what are we looking at? I mean, I, I know oil and gas takes years, you know, to drill up well and mm-hmm. do it, you know, develop it and do all that. What, what, what would it take for, like, if Donlin said tomorrow, let's do it, to actually start doing, you know, producing gold? <laughs> it's hard to say because I think that that would have been an easier question to answer before we had all these supply chain issues and workforce shortages and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it, I don't know, but, you know, they do have to construct a ton of facilities. They have to construct that long pipeline. Um, but it's not like six months or a year, right? It's a, oh, it's, God, it's, no. It's a, it's oh, a long no. time. It's, yes, it's several years of construction before operation starts, for sure. Um, but construction is still great, right? It's still, you know, those are thousands and thousands of jobs and spending in those areas and that kind of thing. Um, but it's a, it's a while before we're at operation. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Some of these gold mines I've heard, um, like if you if you work there, they're real. It's, it's real strict about like how you like get in, get out because they want to like like how, how does that work? Some of them they don't want people to steal the gold, right? So there's like pr- processes in place, right, for some of these mines where. Um, like, so you mean like plaster mines, like smaller mines or? Um, like, oh, was, somebody was telling me they worked at this mine. It was like, it was really like, you know, like, like go in and get checked and go out. Cause I mean, you know, there's like some of these mines, I guess, where there's like maybe larger deposits of gold, not, not where they're going with, you know, chemicals to, to yeah. find it. I have never been checked going in and out of a mine, but, um, but I haven't worked at one. I've only toured one. Um, but you know, it's like they're they're producing when they're done. They produce like gold bri- like bl- bars, blocks of yes, bars, right? Yes. Oh my! Have you held, have you held one of those? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! How much is that worth? Like they're quarter, super heavy. What are they worth? Like millions? Like a quarter millions. million? Quarter million dollars? Or? Yes, quarter million dollars is probably. And that was so the first time I went to Fort Knox. They they do a tour and they hand you a gold bar and take a picture of you. And I just bought my first house and it was like in 2012 or something. And it was where my I bought my first house for three hundred thirty thousand dollars, and so they hand me this brick that is very heavy. Like I thought I was going to drop it. I didn't, thank God. Um, and they were like, that brick right there is worth $368,000. And I was just like, oh my God. I have a 20-year mortgage on something like this. Like it's just crazy. So I heard once that even if you're able to like steal gold from a gold mine, like like they'll be able to tell it came from, is that true? They'll be able to tell oh, it came yeah, from that mine? Oh yeah, they stamp them. Like if you see a picture of. Not just a stamp, like the, like they can. 
tell like there's like a like a mark on the kind of gold produced they can kind of it tell just, where it came from is I that think, true i think that is true i don't know enough about the metallurgy to know like okay so if they melted down a bar from pogo like would you be able to tell but i can tell you that um maybe five or six years ago i bought this really cool gold nugget necklace from are from one of their auctions mm-hmm. um and it had been donated by one of the gold buyers in alaska and so i asked him and i was like can you tell where this came from he's like yeah it came from chicken and he's like, it's your chicken nugget, and which I loved. But he was like, you can tell by the way that the nugget tumbled down. And like, you could tell by the shape of it that you knew what stream it tumbled down. And I was like, are you messing wow. with me? And he was yeah, like, see, I, no. I've, I've heard that you can tell, like, you can, you know, through some kind of test, you can kind of yeah. like, like each, each, you know, where the gold comes from has some kind of like unique marker. Yes. Of, or of, they have a unique, you know, elemental composition yes, yes, right? yeah. and so yeah and like if you boil it down man what would you do if i had a brick of gold stole like what i would definitely go black market i yeah you'd have to i i don't even know how you would sell something like that but it's probably yes you'd have to like hang it's so incredible how just something like that you know that size is worth so much yeah so much money i know i know it's amazing. You got to give me a tour of one of these. I want. I want to hold the gold bar. Okay. You got to. I want to wherever wherever the I'm gold sure bar place. Tour. Have you been to any of the large mines? Mm, no, I was going to go to Usabelli, uh, which is not gold, but yeah. uh, they had that thing a few the big celebration. But I yeah was out of town. Didn't they have like a big yeah they had a seventy year, year seventy five yeah. year yeah. So okay yes totally yeah, noted. Make a I note. Will, I need I'll to get go you to a mine. I want to hold the big the gold bar. The big bar. Okay. They do that in other mines too. What's about is it Pogo or is um fort knox what's the they do that at both um i think that would be where you hold the gold bar does greens creek and kensington are those gold right uh, kensington is a gold mine but they actually ship their gold out in like a um a concentrated it 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 looks like bags of dirt it's amazing they don't pour bars there so you would be like what are you kidding me there's huge burlap bags of dark soil that has gold in it and that's their the concentrated ore that they sell. You know, I saw like a 60 minutes a while back where they were in South Africa and they're like they were pouring they were pouring it, you know, yes. from into the like the, the casts. Yes, and yeah. what's what's the um what's that thing the the thing where it's they melt oh my god. Sort that. of like a smelter. It's like yeah. a mini smelter. Yeah. And it would like they like put it out there and it would just be like it would come on fire and then yes. it would just and they would like do would like pick it up and it was like, it was like half a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Well, uh, we're getting off yes, all sorry. kinds of tangents. No, it's, it's me. It's me. But it's been great talking to you. We should do this again. You're a good. Yes. I've been trying to get you in here forever. You're, I know. You're fun to talk to. Oh, thanks. You're you fun should, to you talk should, to you, too. You should be, like, uh, more vocal. <laughs> you, you should tell my husband that. <laughs> start your own. I mean, just uh, you're, you're fun to talk to. you got kind of nice opinions. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Maybe, maybe you can start the Deantha Deanth- Skabinski podcast. The Deantha Skabinski. Oh, all right. Perfect. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you. And, yeah, and you too. Tr- try to hook up that tour. I will. Yeah, maybe I'll bring the. Can you can get cameras or are they? Uh, I, I mean, I think every mine is different. But do, do a little, do a little video. Or I something. will advocate for you to do that. Any, hey, anytime we can get anyone to look at how good our mines are, the you know how you know, we think that they're spectacular in terms of environmental protection, in terms of safety, the people that are there that are working. Like anytime we can get cameras on showing what we do, I'm always going to advocate for. Well, it's been great talking to you, Deantha Skabinski, formerly Crockett from <laughs> Good job. Alaska Miner Associate. It was great. We'll do it. We'll do it again sometime. Really enjoyed it. All right. we, we didn't even get into the. Oh my God! We got to get into the, your group of all your your women. That you had you, all these women. All your all your all your resource <laughs> girls have your like special group. Your I secret, do. I do. Secret group. We'll talk. Maybe about I'll that. get some of them to come back with me. Well, you, you and Katie. Yes. Yes. We'll, we'll do that next time. Okay. So Katie Composing. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Deantha. You're welcome. Thank right, you, folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.